Welcome to a special Christmas edition of Heed the Word. Today's message was recorded on Christmas Day 2022 at Calvary Chapel Southwest Metro in Joshua, Texas. Join us as we look all the way back to Genesis for the true meaning of Christmas. In this place, on this day, Lord, we do not take for granted the privilege of gathering together to worship you in freedom. Lord, we thank you for your many, many blessings, too numerous to mention. For every good and perfect gift comes down from you, the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you most of all for your Son, Jesus Christ who bled and died to save us from our sins, to give us the gift of forgiveness, reconciliation with you, and eternal life in your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for it. And we ask your blessing upon our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today, I am wearing my Charlie Brown sweatshirt. And that is not by accident. Um, The Charlie Brown Christmas Special, which first aired December 9th, 1965, is arguably my favorite Christmas film. I I love it. I love everything about it. I love the animation. I love the story. I love the soundtrack. But you are probably not too surprised to find that my favorite part is when Linus explains to Charlie Brown the true meaning of Christmas. Yes? It's the best. Well, in 1965, when CBS first prepared to air this, they were very concerned. They did not expect the cartoon to be a success. They expected it to be a flop. They argued with Charles Schultz about the inclusion of a passage straight out of the Gospels to be aired on primetime television, there was concern that people would be offended and would tune out. Much to their surprise, that day in 1965, when the Charlie Brown Christmas special first aired on December 9th, better than 50% of the televisions in America that were turned on were tuned in to that special. Amen? And as John sent out a message today, Uh, this morning to those that are on the prayer chain mentioning it aired on CBS from 1965 to the year 2000 every single year. And then ABC picked it up and it ran on ABC from 2001 to 2019. But according to what I've been told, the only place you can see it now is on Apple TV plus, right? Because it's no longer being broadcast over the networks. Is it because it's any less popular? No, it's actually the number one favorite on many different favorite Christmas movie lists. It's right up there with uh, It's a Wonderful Life, right? So it's not that it's less popular, but it's that people are less willing to be exposed to its message. Now, Charlie Brown, in the movie, as you know, was frustrated with the excessive commercialism of Christmas. And after having been criticized by many of his friends about the puny little tree he purchased, right, 
He says, well, maybe I don't even understand what Christmas is all about. Can anyone tell me? And Linus says, I can tell you. I can tell you what the true meaning of Christmas is, Charlie Brown. And he stood on stage and he quoted a passage from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14 that Ian read to us this morning and that I'll be closing with today. And that is the true meaning of Christmas. But to fully develop that idea, I think it's helpful for us to go back just a little bit. And in fact, as with most things, I think it's helpful for us to go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. If you want to turn there, feel free. But of course, you know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That, that there was a void, that there was darkness upon the face of the waters and the Spirit of God moved there. And in the midst of all of that, he said, let there be light. And there was light. And he separated the land from the sea and he created the sun, moon, and stars. He created all the fish and the birds and the animals and every creeping thing. And ultimately, on the sixth day, he created man. And it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 34, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So evening and morning were the sixth day. Everything that he created, God could look at it and say, man, that is really good. That is very, very good. But of course, it didn't stay that way, did it? No, it didn't. Our first father and mother, Adam and Eve, did the one thing that God said they were not allowed to do. The one thing, one rule. They had one rule. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Satan had come into the garden, had approached Eve and had said to her, did God really say, right? He began to question God's word. And Eve, seeing the fruit of the tree, that it was beautiful to look upon, that it was good for food and that it was desirable to make one wise, succumbed to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And the devil's been playing on that same string ever since. And she took it and she ate it and she gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And in doing so, they opened the door to sin and to death. And they allowed it into the world. That brought about a separation, a breakdown in the relationship between man and God. And we could no longer dwell in his presence because God is holy, he is perfect, and we were now sinful. And we got kicked out of the garden. And God, when approaching Adam and Eve, we find in chapter 3, has a couple questions for them. The Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? Now, first of all, God is not asking because he needs information. He already knows what they've done. He's asking so that they can have the opportunity to confess. And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. So automatically there is a casting of blame and a passing of the buck. I can hear Adam now. The woman who you gave me, by the way, you thought she was a good idea, right? She gave me of the fruit and yeah, I ate some. Right. Ultimately it comes down to, yeah, I, I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? Giving her an opportunity to confess. 
And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, now I want you to notice something. He asked Adam, what did you do? He asked Eve, what did you do? He doesn't ask the serpent, what did you do? The opportunity for repentance is not available to that serpent. It's only available to to humankind, to us. And he says to the serpent, because you've done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, hatred if you will, between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Notice that word seed is singular. It's not plural. Between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So in other words, yeah, Satan, you're going to attack the seed of the woman, but he's going to crush your head. That is the first messianic prophecy in the Bible. This verse is the first indication that God had a plan that would include a child being born to the woman, not to the man, because it wasn't Adam's seed, it was Eve's seed. There is an implication here in Genesis of the virgin birth of the Messiah. And he says, that seed of the woman is going to crush your head. He would defeat Satan. He would overcome sin and he would set us free from the penalty of death. Amen? That was the plan. Now, as time goes on, we see that he begins to work not through all of mankind, but through a single family through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he says to Abraham, because Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. God said to Abraham, in your seed, again, not all seeds, but your seed, singular, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, was that a promise to him because he was the father of the Jewish nation? No, it was a promise to him because he was the father of those who were children by faith. Amen? In Isaiah, the the trend continues. In Isaiah chapter 7, uh, verse 14, Isaiah prophesied, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen? And then again, in the very next page or two, we see in Isaiah chapter 9, For unto us a child is born, that is the seed of the woman, that is the seed of Abraham, who was a child of God by faith. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end, and upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now there are many other prophecies I could read, but I'm just going to give you one more prophecy. And that one was in Micah chapter 5. In Micah chapter 5, we read, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. From of old, you can't be more of old than Genesis, can you? You can't be more of old than the beginning of the human race when the seed was promised. His going forth was prophesied. It was foretold. 
And in Luke chapter 2, we see the promise fulfilled. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinus was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary, was of the line of David. And he was living at that time in Nazareth of Galilee. And yet the Messiah wasn't supposed to be born in Nazareth. He was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So in order for Micah's prophecy to be fulfilled accurately, Jesus, the Messiah, would have to be born in Bethlehem. Well, how was God going to get Joseph to drag his pregnant fiancée all the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem? It was not a practical thing to do. (coughs) And so he put it upon the heart of the emperor of the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus, to say, hmm, we need to take a census. Listen, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and like rivers of water, he turns it whatsoever way he wishes, amen? And God inspired the Roman emperor to send everyone back to their homeland, to send them back to the place of their fathers that they might be counted in the census. And so Joseph and Mary headed back to Bethlehem just in time for the Messiah to be born according to the prophecy of Micah. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I don't want you to be mistaken. There are lots of things that we could say, well, Jesus wasn't actually born on December 25th. You're right. He wasn't. He was probably born in September or October, sometime around there. Well, those wise men, they weren't at the manger. You know, all these little, all these little manger scenes that we have, all of the little nativity scenes where we've got, you know, all the animals and we've got, you know, the, the, the stable and we've got the baby Jesus and all that. And we've got the three wise men. Well, the wise men were nowhere nearby at the time. Right? They were not there on Christmas Day. They were way away. And they didn't probably make it there for about a year and a half, maybe even two years. And by the time they arrived, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were no longer living in the stable. They were actually staying in a house that they had made, made secure there, a place that they had gotten to stay there in Bethlehem. And so the three wise men did come. They did bring gifts, but it didn't happen Christmas night. However, there were some who did come to visit Jesus, Joseph, and Mary on that Christmas evening. So if you want your uh, manger scenes or your nativity scenes to be accurate, what you need to do is you you need to set them up and you need to have Mary and Joseph and Jesus and some of the animals perhaps. And then you want to have the shepherds because they were the ones who were there. And then you want to take your little wise men figurines and you want to probably put them somewhere over north of Dallas just for scale. Right, So it's all in the right setting. 
Now there were in the same country, I wish we could have Linus read it for us. There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let's now go to Bethlehem and and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Amen. And that is the true story of Christmas. Here's the bottom line. God made a perfect world and we blew it. We messed it up. We broke the relationship that we had with him. But he loved us so much that he couldn't let that stand. He looked at us and he said, I've got to bring them to a place where they can come back into relationship with me because that's what I always intended for them was to be in relationship with me. Someone has to pay the price for their sin. So while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love for us in that he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to die upon the cross for our sins. Jesus set aside his glory Though he had the right to be considered equal with God, he set that aside and he came to earth and he became one of us so that he could die for us and pay the penalty that was owed by us so that we could come back into a relationship with God. Why? Jesus said it best. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Now, if you have children or have had children or remember being a child on a Christmas morning, what is the one thing that we always teach our children to do when someone gives them a gift? If we're supposed to say thank you when someone gives us a gift, then what better way to say thank you than to be here to worship him on this day? Amen. And so we are going to do that right now. We're going to say thank you to God for the gift 
of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.